Hello, hello, and welcome to the Temple of the Falls pod, where the plays aren't optimized, but they sure as heck are fun. I am one of your hosts, Andy. I'm the other host. Uh, I'm Bruce. And today, well, we're gonna we're gonna take it even a little slower. We're gonna crack open a pack or two. We're gonna open them. We're gonna talk about their relevance in EDH, and uh, it'll be even lower key of an episode than we normally have. Andy, what kind of pack was that again? Double Masters. Double Masters. Double oh. Masters. All right, baller. Yeah. So with these packs, um, they are a reprint set. Every year, Wizards has a set where they have a bit higher power. Uh, they are generally made for drafting, uh, or with drafting in mind, at least. And this year, Double Masters has two foils, which of any rarity, and two rares or mythics or some sort of combination. Uh, three uncommons and eight commons. So this will be an exciting pack to open. Sounds like a powerful pack. Yeah. Um, get that get that pack right up next to the mic. Right up next to the mic. We all want to hear it. Oh yeah. Look at look at those waveforms. Oh yeah. Take take your smell. Nice big whiff. Ooh. Smells like uh, paint, honestly. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, so let's see how this is the correct order. Uh, <laughs> All right, so, so, you're gonna, you, so you're slow rolling us here, is what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> We're going to start with our commons. First up, we've got Orcish Vandal. It's a 1-1 one, one for 1 and a red. Creature, Orc Warrior. You can tap it and sacrifice an artifact, and Orcish Vandal deals 2 damage to any target. It seems fine. Uh, I, I think this will make for some excellent kindling. Uh, oh, yes. I think if you, if you tear the top in 2 or 3 plots, <laughs> do the same to the bottom. It'll light up fairly quickly. There's plenty of ink on here. Um, <laughs> I have found magic. Some magic cards are a little little slower to light up, but this one, I'm pretty confident, gonna go up quick. Um, and uh, for EDH play, I would say this is almost a last ditch effort for either orc or warrior tribal. If you are just trying to throw things, and uh, yeah, I'm sure it fits in there as well. So like Borborygmos, if you just like throwing general things, uh, it could fit in there. Sure. Sure, in your in your theme, Brian Stoutarm, we're looking for pictures of guys hucking stuff. Yeah, this one <laughs> this one definitely fits that bill. Um, repeated two points of damage. Yeah, that's uh, that's solid in the guys hucking stuff format. <laughs> yeah, and uh, who doesn't love a a two mana one one? <laughs> Let, let's just cut to the next card. Uh, up next, we've got Elvish Aberration. It's a 4-5 for 5 and a green. Creature Elf Mutant. You can tap it to add 3 green, and it has Forest Cycling 2. So for 2, and discard this card, search your library for a Forest card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Alright, so right off, I can tell you in Commander, this card is going to be hot garbage. Um, (laughs) The reason I say this is because this is a reprint. It's been around since Scourge. It gets put in almost no decks. You rarely need forest cycling in your deck. Uh, You're certainly not going to pay six mana for a mana dork that will then tap for three after it's been in play for a full round, especially not when it's a four or five creature. It's putting a whole bunch of things that could be cool together in a way that none of them really work well together. Uh, essentially i think for me this card would basically boil down to spend two mana discard the card search your library for a forest reveal it put it in your hand and and then play the forest (laughs) right green already does this and in much better ways 
There, there's just no reason for this. So the fact that you can get a 4-5 creature added in is cute, but that creature also doesn't have trample or any kind of evasion. And for 4-5, you don't want to pay 6. No, no. This is, this is costed from the days of old, like I said, from Scourge, when you paid a fortune for a creature and really just didn't get a whole lot from it. On so. top of that, too, if you're, if you're relying on it for the mana, it's too easy to get rid of. And then you've already spent a turn playing it. And if it's not there the next turn, it's not. Ugh. This, this card is just setting you up for repeated blowouts. You're right. All right. Let's just move on to the next one. Yep. The next one, we've got Defiant Salvager. It's a 2-2 for two and a black. So already better than the last two cards. Uh, it's a creature, Aetherborn Artificer. You sacrifice an artifactor creature. Put a plus one, plus one counter on Defiant Salvager, but you can only activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. It's better than the last two, but it's it's still kind of bare bones. Um, if you are getting any sort of value out of sacrificing those things, then great. Um, the fact that you can only do it at any time you could cast a sorcery makes this card significantly worse. Yeah, it makes it almost useless right now. I mean... A 2-2 two, two for 3 has to come with a, an amazing ability, and this is just not the amazing ability. You want some of the cards in your deck that, uh, that are sack outlets. However, if you can only ever sack this as a sorcery, it means that virtually any time that you would need a sack outlet because somebody's targeting your creature, because you're in combat and it's about to die and you want to get the benefit of something... For all of this stuff, you can't use it during those times. The only time you can use it is basically when your creature is under no threat whatsoever. Yeah, this this feels very niche in the way that this would be perfect if your opponent had no blockers, so either all their creatures are tapped or they don't have any, and if the creatures or artifacts are things like the creature tokens you get from, like, Woestrider. So, like, goat tokens, like, zero ones, or plant tokens, or, like, it's it's so niche. Don't Don't... Don't use this card in ADH. Right. I did something similar to this way back when with Oratog. So I used Oratog and uh, Rancor. So the Oratog said, you know, sack and enchantment gets plus two, plus two until the end of the turn. Well, with Oratog, you sack the Rancor. Rancor says that when it goes to the graveyard, it comes back to your hand. It only costs one green. So you would just cast it and sack it over and over again. So you could, you know, you could ramp it up big and then leave it on the oratog to give it trample and then charge through for a big pile mm -hmm. now if you've got an artifact or a creature that you can recast over and over again like it'll come out of the graveyard on its own and you can just recast it from your hand over and over again or from the graveyard over and over again however then i can see where you'd be using this but to be quite honest you're right andy this is so niche it's just if that's where you're going then yeah there are more efficient sacrifice outlets that give you more value there's no way that this is your best card for that slot i think a two two for three is fine compared uh, yeah. compared to the last two cards we've got a one one for two and a four five for six this has been the most value in that area in the vanilla test in a, in a commander deck where you've got uh, your set of sacrifice outlets where you've got five cards that can sack because that's part of what your deck does yeah I just don't even think this card makes your top five. I think there are just so many better ways, especially in black, to make this happen. As far as Commander goes, unless you're doing the uh, the Boxing League, uh, I, I don't <laughs> see how this card makes it into your deck. What's next? Moving on, we've got Vidalkin Infuser. It's a 1-4 for three and a blue. Creature, Vidalkin Wizard. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a charge counter 
on target artifact. If you're doing a charge counter deck where you've got more than one payoff with charge counters, great. You get these for free. You get these for just having a turn. I am confident that there are decks out there that will be excited to see this off the top of my head. I can't think of any, um, but that doesn't mean they're not out there because my brain doesn't really work that way. <laughs> However, I guess it will, yeah, it'll completely depend on how you want to use the charge counters. If you're able to multiply them, what the charge counters are going on. I'm confident that I could come up with a handful of ways. Andy, I can hear you typing away. What uses charge counters? I know for one, uh, what's the, the cup? Um, Everflowing Chalice. Everflowing Chalice uh, uses charge counters, uh, which is nice. Everflowing Chalice is an X, uh, sorry, a zero mana artifact with multi-kicker two, and Everflowing Chalice enters the battlefield with charge counter on it for each time it was kicked, and you can tap to add colorless mana for each charge counter on Everflowing Chalice. So you get this out with the Vidalcan Infuser. Every turn you're getting increasingly more mana. That's really, I mean... I'm looking at a list here of, like, what uses charge counters. Well, there's a lot. There's but, a lot. I mean, just, uh, just you know, hey, you can tell I'm looking at the start of the list here. Uh, Ether Vial, Astral Cornucopia, Black Market, there, Chalice of the Void, Co- Coalition Relic is another nice one. Uh, Mace of the Valiant's pretty nice. It's a three-mana artifact, two and a white. Uh, where equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each charge counter on, on the Mace of the Valiant and has Vigilance, and you get charge counters for creatures entering the battlefield as well. So these th- that really ramps it up. It's fine if that's like a thing you are searching for. I think this is like a, a solid, solid creature. It's going to run well in the decks that, that want to abuse it. Yeah. And, uh, and if you're not going to abuse it, then you probably hadn't even looked to, to <laughs> run it anyway. So, you know, I think this is cool. I think even abusing this card, like breaking it to its core, I think it it's still like it's good. It's not like like game breaking, but it's good. I think it will do exactly what you need it to do. What is the name of the card that gives you multiple upkeeps? Because I'm I think oh. I'm required to to mention that card <laughs> when discussing something that gives you a bonus on your upkeep. Multiple upkeeps, you say? Yes. I've never heard of this card. Uh, um, it's a card that. You get your upkeep, and then you get to do your upkeep again, which, normally speaking, is terrible. But in situations like this, it isn't. It's called Paradox Haze. Thank it's you. A two and a blue, Enchantment Aura, Enchant Player. At the beginning of Enchanted Player's first upkeep each turn, that player gets an additional upkeep step after this step. Right. Yeah. So, so you enchant yourself with this. It's like a nice, janky combo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's great. This this is sort of thing that's just right up my alley. I'm already half interested now. <laughs> well, you can have this card if you want. You can be halfway there. There we go. Um, <laughs> uh, up next, we've got uh, good old Peace Strider. It's a three three for four. Uh, it's an artifact creature construct. When Peace Strider enters the battlefield, you gain three life. It's the younger brother to Pierce Strider, which is significantly better, but still just fine. Yeah. Um, this, uh, I, I don't really have much to say about it. Yeah, it's filler in a colorless deck that this honestly feels... doesn't even need filler because those decks are amazing and this is a waste of your space. Um, yeah, Sweet. Nothing special. I think I have the other two from, I've opened two packs out of this box already. Yeah. I think I have uh, the other two. But uh, up next we've got Urza's Mine. It's a land. Urza's Mine. Uh, surprisingly not legendary which is great. Tap, add colorless. If you control an Urza's power plant and an Urza's tower, add two colorless instead. 
Uh, so for those who don't know, these are the Tron lands. You got Urza's Mine, Urza's Power Plant, Urza's Tower. They all each tap for one. Uh, two of them tap for two if you have all three, and the third taps for three. So together, if you have all of them on board, you get seven mana. Colorless. They're they're good. They were reprinted as common, so that's nice. That is nice for the folks who weren't around when the when it was first printed. I was one of the lucky ones who I believe they were. They were reprinted in Chronicles, I believe. Um, it's interesting because I always thought that they were like these holy grails of magic where you don't see them anywhere. They have seen a number of reprintings, mostly up until yeah. ninth edition. But I, they felt like these, these I was going to say artifacts. Uh, <laughs> they, they feel like you don't see them very often, mm-hmm. uh, but they're like three bucks a piece. But somebody somebody in our playgroup plays them often, and I want to say... It's Harry. It's Harry. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh my god, look at those. They're so yeah. cool. And like, they're good. Uh, I'm surprised we don't see more of them. The difficulty is that unless you get all three, uh, mm-hmm. you're getting one generic mana. If you're running a colorless deck, that's fine. Then you run all three and go that route. If you're yep. running a deck that has colors, a basic is going to be better than one of these cards unless you get all three. The odds of getting all three in a hundred card deck <laughs> at a point in time when then you can actually use it. And the payoff is instead of getting three mana, you get seven. The key with the Tron lands is that once you get multiple mana, that you can then loop it. Mm. There are ways to untap and retap and untap and retap to give you limitless mana. And I see where that's going. I tend to prefer to use mine in some of my 60 card casual decks the odds tend to be a little better that i can actually get them because well i can run four of each and that makes things a whole lot better but in commander that's it's a pretty tough ask and honestly if i have a way to search to find a specific land i'm going to go find lands that are much better than this there are ways to get a lot of mana with just one land so i tend to lean towards that they seem like they would be pretty good in like mono decks like monocolored yeah um even beyond just colorless decks uh because most of the time i mean you're you're getting those land drops anyway because you're not worrying about fixing uh so yeah urza's urza's mine is no temple of the false god that's for sure <laughs> right uh <laughs> up next we've got a sorcery our first all right uh yeah our first non-creature non-land it's sift it's three and a blue uh and the text says Draw three cards, then discard a card. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, if that's a thing that you want to do, I know lately there's been a lot of synergies with drawing and milling people out. If you're doing any sort of storm deck, this is great. Draw three, discard one. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to discard out of those three. You just discard whatever you have in your hand. Probably going to be a land. I mean, realistically, you're drawing three cards and then discarding the crappiest card of the bunch. Or you're discarding something that you want in your graveyard, which is probably more likely. Sift is going to be run in decks that will offer a little more recursion. Draw your three cards, throw something in the graveyard, reanimate it, or toss in the graveyard so you can do flashback with it or whatever. That's generally generally the best way to make this work. I like it. The difficulty, again, is that with Commander, you've got every card available. You know, Sift at four mana may prove to be a little more pricey for this effect than yeah. other cards that would do the same thing. But This is a perfect card if you already have it and... The alternate is to buy a 25 cent card off of like Card Kingdom TCG player and wait for it in the mail. Um, It does what it does well. I wouldn't even say that four mana is necessarily overcosted, but I think it 
you can draw three for cheaper elsewhere. Or you could do more at four mana at instant speed elsewhere rather than at sorcery speed. I think the sorcery speed in itself makes this card kind of weak. It's so uninteractive. You're not keeping up mana for a counter or for flash speed things. You're just using it to dig because you're in trouble. Right. And rather than having that answer, you have this card. <laughs> yeah. Up next, we've got probably my favorite card so far, um, now that I'm looking at it. It's called Crusader of Audric. It's perfect for a tokens deck, and I love me my tokens. It's a star star. It's two and a white. Creature, human, soldier. Crusader of Audric's power and toughness are equal to the number of creatures you control. So automatically starts out at a 1-1, but if you are using this in any sort of token deck, it will go wild immediately. And it'll be essentially the lightning rod to your deck. People will see it getting bigger and bigger and bigger and try to kill it while your creatures get around. This is one of those cards that is, uh, it's a great start, but it requires something else. And I really enjoy that kind of a card because this card doesn't do it all. If this card were a rare or a mythic, it would be hot garbage, but it's <laughs> common. So with a yeah. common, you expect to get one cool thing and then have to work. So Audric's power and toughness are equal to the number of creatures you control. Great. Now I need an equipment or an enchantment that makes it unblockable or gives it trample or does something so that you can take advantage of how big this thing is. Because as you say, if you're running it in a token deck, and honestly, if you're not running tokens, why are you running this card? Um, <laughs> if you're running it in a tokens deck you're looking at a creature that could very well be a 2020 and then it's charging at the line well you're only going to tap it if you either already have a way to give it some kind of evasion whether it's rogue's passage a standard overrun or uh or some even if you use it on flavor you used Audric lunark marshall right which looks at the beginning of every combat mm -hmm. creatures you control gain first strike until end of turn if a creature you control has first strike same is true for Flying, Death Touch, Double Strike, Haste, Hexproof, Indestructible, Lifelink, Menace, Reach, Skulk, Trample, and Vigilance. Which, honestly, to me, especially in a tokens deck, the best would probably be Vigilance and Trample. And that in itself would be delicious. Uh, to me, you hit on it as you could have stopped as soon as you said Flying. <laughs> yeah, that uh, too. Because, I mean, if you can get off Creature Flying that's already that big, then there's a good chance you can find an opponent who can die this turn. Part of me wants to to kind of build this deck now like i i like tokens yep i like audric because it's just so it's not a great card but it 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 has value when you do get it to go that with this seems very very nice yeah yeah no i can i can see this fitting whoa got a funky one here okay. um up next we've got sandstone oracle it's a four four it's for seven generic mana Artifact creature, Sphinx. Flying, when Sandstone Oracle enters the battlefield, choose an opponent. I already like it so far. Um, with just choosing an opponent. If that player has more cards in hand than you, draw cards equal to the difference. For seven mana, it seems a little high. But if you are playing artifact deck, or if you're playing colorless deck, you've got ways to get that mana up quickly. Um, or bring the cost down vastly all um, right so this belongs in my muzio deck 
Yeah. With the with the high casting cost, uh, once it's on the battlefield, whenever you activate Musio, you'll then be looking at the top seven cards of your library. It has the capability so that if you flicker it or bounce it, you're going to get to draw that many cards again and again. You don't want to flicker it like two times in a row because right. then you're going to have the same number of cards. You won't draw anything. However, <laughs> you can do this at the start of every turn and burn yeah. through a pile of cards in your hand and then just simply refuel with one bounce effect. I could see this being really popular in Brago. Having said that, I have a Brago deck. I have a Muzio deck. I see this was printed in Commander 2015 set. I have that as well. I've never put this card together yet with those. <laughs> um, and honestly, I don't remember ever seeing anybody using it. And I expect that the seven mana casting cost is the big reason for that. Yeah. I think if you have a way to bring down artifacts, uh, then it's great. Right. Disappointingly, I don't know that this would be all that great in Sphinx Tribal, because most Sphinxes find ways to draw cards, and I think this is probably not as strong as a lot of the other uh, <laughs> Sphinx that you would put in a deck. I don't even think it's the best artifact Sphinx. That slot is reserved for my personal favorite, Sharding Sphinx. <laughs> All right, up next, we got Golem Artisan. It's a 3-3 for 5. Artifact creature Golem for 2 mana. Target artifact creature gets plus 1, plus 1 until end of turn. Or, for 2 mana, target artifact creature gains your choice of flying trample or haste until end of turn. Uh, it's I fine. love this uh, card. Yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. He has been in plenty of my decks. They're just, there are handfuls of ways that... Uh, when you start looking at thopters and ways to make artifact copies, the key key to this card is to recognize that it costs two for each of these effects, but there's no tapping. This is instant speed. So you can use it during your attack. You can use it while you're declaring blockers. You can pump up your creature multiple times using this. You can give your creature... Uh, it says the choice of flying, trample, or haste until the end of the turn. Well, spend two, give it haste, spend two more, give it flying. Then you're in. <laughs> it worked. Uh, it works really well with virtually every single legendary creature that's also an artifact because it means every time your legend hits the battlefield, you can spend two more to give it haste. Oh, yeah. And away you go. There are all kinds of options. Uh, even in uh, situations where your creature, where you're looking at artifact creatures that are just kind of humdrum your basic four four for four or whatever when you can give it flying trample or haste uh, that's awesome there's the artifact that makes everything into artifacts uh yeah um that's the one i was looking up we've got uh memnarch thank you for one blue and blue target permanent becomes an artifact in addition to its other types right so if you happen to have a a regular creature well, now suddenly the Golem Artisan is helping along with that. There's another artifact that turns all your artifacts into artifact creatures that have power and toughness equal to the casting cost. Great. Now they have that and they also can have flying. So you just, you know, you pay a little more. And if you're concerned that paying two and then paying two again and paying two more is too much, remember, we're talking about a deck that's going to be primarily artifacts. You can easily churn through a ton of mana with various mana rocks, with all kinds of stuff like that. It doesn't hurt you at all don't be fooled this card is better than you think it is if you're looking at any sort of winning with artifact creatures this card does great work oh yeah 
I'm glad one of us was excited about it to talk about it. It achieves mayhem because it's uh, part of the benefit is that it's also says target artifact creature. So it doesn't even have to be your own. Uh, so somebody else gets out uh, like a silver mirror or something like that. You can mess with people's combat so bad. Someone declares a, some kind of creature that's attacking and then before the blocks are declared, you give it flying. So it doesn't even have to be your own creatures. It can be your opponent's creatures when they're attacking each other. I love cards like this. This is, uh, this is a lot of fun. <laughs> We've got our last uncommon. Okay. Yavamaya's Embrace. The first time I looked at this card, I thought, wow, what a piece of crap. And then I read it again. So it's a eight mana enchantment aura. It's five green, blue, blue. Enchant creature. You control enchanting creature. Enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, and has trample. So for eight mana, well, in green and blue, especially nowadays, it's not too hard to get there. It's control magic. You just take control of a, of a creature that isn't yours, and you give it plus two, plus two, and trample. You know, you've got Agent of Treachery, which is, a, which is five blue and a blue. And for an extra green, you give it plus two, plus two, and trample. What What are your thoughts? Okay, so I opened this card in a pack of Apocalypse. So we're talking <laughs> way back. The difficulty there is back then, if you were stealing a creature, you're doing it with control magic. Right. And control magic only costs four. So for half of the cost, you're stealing the creature. So for those of us back then, we were looking at this, okay, so you want me to pay four more mana to give the creature plus two, plus two, and trample. And it's an aura. So if somebody destroys the aura, they get their creature back. Paying eight mana is a lot to pay. You're going to pay eight and hope it doesn't get countered. Then you're going to take the creature and hopefully do something with it. Not right away because it doesn't have haste. So <laughs> you're going to take the creature on your turn because it's an enchantment and it doesn't have flash. It sits there until it's your next turn and then you can attack with it because that's the whole point of the trample part. So practically speaking, this one just never seemed to work out quite as well as I wanted it to. Yeah. And I put it in a ton of decks just because it is cool. I mean, come on. It, you're you're going to take their creature, make it bigger, make it tougher, and then beat them over the head with it. I just want this to work so bad. And it just doesn't quite get there. You need to have ways that you can sneak an aura onto a creature without having to pay the cost. But it, this card relying on its own to do what you're looking for, go with the blue auras that just steal the creature and just steal a really good one. Yeah, and I think that that is why things like, there's two cards in standard right now, Cure Best the Sea God, where on the third chapter of the saga, you gain control of target permanent and opponent controls and you untap it. So like, sure, you see it coming, but at the same time, when you gain control of it, it is yours until it dies. Right. Like, there's no removing an enchantment aura. And uh, I guess Agent of Treachery is probably not in standard anymore. But same thing where it's just like you gain control of it. Um, well, there's, yeah, no, I mean, you can just use, M20, is, it, so. is it Treachery? <laughs> That's true. And uh, Treachery, I mean, you even get to untap mana after you've stolen it. If I remember, yeah. if I'm remembering this right, uh, that's an aura. But uh, when treachery comes into play, untap five lands. You control enchanted creature. Yeah. So, so if you have five mana, you get to take control of a creature, and you still have five mana. That's yeah, essentially or what's more. Happening. Like you could play this so that you untap a Temple of False God and you get more mana back, yeah, or, or Guy's Cradle, or or the Urza's Mine if you happen to have all of them. This is not the best version of theft. However, I will give you some serious cred points if this is how you're going to be taking other people's creatures because that's just pretty cool. I mean, you 
know, you know, this tree just bent down, wrapped its leaves around you and yanked you up. And now it's like forcing you to swing your sword at your buddies. I mean, yeah, quite honestly, this is this is every big brother's dream, right? <laughs> Why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Oh, I mean, come on. I, I love torturing my brother and this just fits right in. with that. <laughs> so before we go to our rares, yep. let's just take a break for a quick sponsor and uh, we'll get right back into it. This episode of Temple of Valspod is brought to you by the card Sift. Discourse got you down? Well, forget that nasty news and go Sift. Dwell longest on the thoughts that shine brightest. All right, welcome back. Uh, so up next, we've got our first rare. It's interesting. I was thinking about this deck the other day, and I decided against it because it seems a bit of a pain. Andy, you're but... killing me. Give me the card. <laughs> it is Vishkal. Blood Arbiter. Uh, it's a 5-5 five, five for 4 white, black, black. So 7 mana. Legendary creature, Vampire. So maybe I'll throw in a Vampire deck. Or, I guess, my Tesa deck. Who knows? It's uh, got Flying Lifelink. Sacrifice a creature. Put X plus 1 plus 1 counters on Vishkal, Blood Arbiter, where X is the sacrificed creature's power. Next line of text. Remove all plus 1 plus 1 counters from Vishkal to target creature gets minus 1 minus 1 until end of turn for each plus 1 plus 1 counter removed this way. The fact that those both can be activated at instant speed is huge it's a free sacrifice outlet it's 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 great um you could do this in response to somebody already killing something you'd sacrifice it to just kind of make it fizzle and then you get the x plus one plus one counters if you get enough plus one plus one counters you get to destroy indestructible creatures it's it's pretty pretty tasty it's really good while you've been talking i have been searching because i ran a vishkal deck it wasn't a commander deck Ooh. the key with working with vishkal isn't the first ability it's the second ability remove all plus one plus one counters from Vishkal. Target creature gets minus one minus one until the end of the turn for each plus one plus one counter removed this way. Well, put that together with a little card called Horobi, Death's Whale. Now, Horobi is a four mana black creature. It's a four four creature. It's a legendary creature spirit. It has flying. None of this is relevant. Here's the relevant part. Whenever a creature becomes the target of a spell or ability, destroy that creature. Very so, nice. Vishkal then reads, do nothing, <laughs> destroy target creature. So you can wipe out all of your opponent's creatures, at least all of the ones that you can target. Yeah. Now, Harobi also doesn't specify whose creatures. So if your opponent yes. has a way to target your Vishkal... Well, then you've got some problems. <laughs> but Vishkal does does activate at instant speed. So if someone has a way, like if someone has a prodigal sorcerer or something that can tap to target something, well, that's great. They can tap to target Vishkal. Well, in response, Vishkal can then target all of the creatures that it can target. And then if another creature then says, okay, and on the stack, I'm also going to put this. Well, then you respond <laughs> with, fine, Vishkal's just going to do it again. Because the cost yeah. is zero, and you can do it at instant speed. So he will always destroy all of the creatures that are out there before he can be destroyed. Barring a way to kill him split second, he's going to get his ability off at least once. Yes, you do have to have Hirobi out there to make this happen. But there are all kinds of interesting ways to make Vishkal work like that. And then the first ability, sacrifice a creature to get X plus one plus one counters on Vishkal. Well, all you need is a creature that you can sack 
and then have it come back into play. If you can have something that can create the loop, then you can put an infinite number of plus and plus encounters on Vishkal. He already has flying and lifelink. Uh, I, I know the urge is then to remove all of those counters and kill a creature, but honestly, if he's got flying and lifelink, just fly over, kill your opponent, gain that much life, and then you're all set and ready to go at, at the next opponent. Especially where in so many of these aristocrat decks, you've got uh, ways to create value out of gaining life, out of uh, sacrificing your creatures, to then gain life, and then to get more value. Um, it's, it's these value engines that tie in to every single ability in Vishkal's text. Right. I mean, Vishkal just adds to both ends of that equation. So yeah. in, in virtually every aristocrat's kind of build, Vishkal just sort of adds the insult to the injury. Yeah, part of me wants to put this in my Tesa deck, um, but my Tesa deck tops out at generally five, but I've also been adding more land in, so maybe. <laughs> I will say, having played Vishkal a number of times, uh, the seven mana cost is an issue. That's just a lot of mana, and he really needs to work the first time. You might get to cast him one more time, but now you're talking nine mana for your guy, and you start wondering, you know, will I ever have any mana to do anything else on the turn when I cast him? So that's something to keep in mind. Quite often you want to make sure you've got some sort of protection out and some preferably protection that's free to put on him because he's a lightning rod and he costs a lot. So, you know, you want to take full advantage when you can. Mm-hmm. Um... And going on to our next rare, because that's the way these packs work. Uh, so we've got a rare left and two foils. <laughs> uh, I believe this is a new print. Uh, it's Sharoom the Hegemon. Oh. Is, that, is that new to this set? It's a 5-5 five, five for 6. It's 3 white, blue, black. It's a legendary artifact creature. Sphinx, flying. When Sharoom the Hegemon enters the battlefield... You may return target artifact card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Not even to your hand. To the battlefield. So this card has been broken for a very long time. Um, I okay, I am wrong. It came out in Shards of Alara. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is... Uh, um, Sharoom has been a... Or was a scourge on a lot of decks for a very long time. We see Sharoom a lot less now just because it's a six a casting cost commander. It's three different colors. There are other ways to do what Sharoom does at a, at a better cost. Simply put, Wizards keeps making better cards. So generally speaking, if you run across a player and Sharoom is their commander, you really got to kill them first. <laughs> do not let them cast Sharoom. Once Sharoom hits, they are going to start looping artifacts. They're going to loop them from the graveyard to the battlefield. Once you get a sack outlet going, it just starts to happen. And I know... I know, it looks innocent because it, it's only when it enters the battlefield. So it only happens once, says the fool who doesn't realize that this is blue and black and white. And they all have ways to make, <laughs> make this thing enter the battlefield over and over again. And, you know, it, it will loop with a whole pile of cards that allow you to blink creatures. And It's funny because I immediately was like, oh, I could, I could make this work with Traxxas. 
and which is also just generally not a great card. You could definitely make it work with Traxos. It would be a complete underutilization of what Sharoon does. <laughs> but yes, you can. But that's my special. Well, exactly. And I hey, and I have no issue with that. I'm just saying that if you run into this card in the wild, yeah. we have now reached a point where the only people who still have Sharoon decks are the ones whose Sharoon decks are combos. And you can't let these live. You, you cannot. Don't do it. You you will you will suffer the consequences. Take them out. Don't wait. I know this creature looks it looks innocent. It's an artifact and a creature and a legend. And there's, you know, so many ways to get rid of it. You know, and it's slow and it's clunky and it costs six and just just kill it. Trust me on this one. Just kill it. Just kill kill the person who's playing it if you can't kill that card. Just you see it come out. That has to be your overriding factor. Somebody else better be doing something freaking amazing if you are not going all out to kill the, the Sharoon player. You, you will regret it. You will regret it. So our first foil comes to us from our sponsor. It's Sift. Ooh. Uh, I think we've talked about it enough. Foily Sift? For three and a blue, you draw three cards and discard a card at sorcery speed. It's always a downside to me that with sorceries and instants that are foil. Because, you know... You get to play it, you put it out there, ooh, it's shiny, and then poof, it's gone. And it it just, you know, I like my shiny cards to stay on the battlefield for a while. I want them to be permanent, but hey, you know what? I'll take take a a shiny sift. Shiny sift has got it. It can't be that bad. Uh, So moving on to our very last card. Okay. It's a one-mana artifact. It's Expedition Map. For two and tap, sacrifice Expedition Map. Search your library for a land card, reveal it, and put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. Uh, this is a commander staple. Um, it's like this pack was put together to try and emphasize that, that the Urza lands are good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's great if you are trying to find a specific land. Like an Urza um, land. Yeah. Or Temple of the False God. Yeah, I run a lot of basics, so it's fine. Right. Uh, but it does... If you are like late in the game and you want to find that utility land or, uh, you know, Rogue's Passage, you know, you need it to get things snuck through to get in for that final point of damage. Like it's perfect. Uh, or if you are early game, nobody's really doing much, and you need just another land, and you have the mana to spare, then yeah, Expedition Map goes in a lot of decks. I will be putting it in probably my next deck. I like the Expedition map mostly because I tend to run a lot of non-basics. I like that I have the opportunity to find that strip mine when I desperately need it against an opponent. Or, you know, it will let me, uh, you know, I can look for my Maze of If or uh, Kessig Wolf Run. You can just, just keep naming them. And the fact that you can use this to find any one of them is very handy. I haven't even once even mentioned the idea that it helps solve your color screw problems if you're you know finding one color and you're missing another ideally i'm going to run this when i've got a ton of non-basics to do something special and i'm looking for for one or more of them in particular so it's very flexible yeah and if you got shroom out or if you if you're about to put shroom out you can 
Go search for another land. Sure. I mean, there's all sorts of ways. I think I have Expedition Map running in my Glissa deck because it allows me to pull artifacts back out of my graveyard. So I believe it was in there. And it was just a nice way to give me some mana ramp because I was able to do it over and over again. You know, when you're spending three mana to get any land that you want, you get the better lands. So I was, you know... I was searching for duels. I was searching all three Urzas. It tended to work out fairly well. Yeah. Yeah. And a foily one. Hey, who doesn't want a shiny map? Yeah, right? As long as it's not an aluminum foil expedition (laughs) map. Because then it'll get torn. You know, then there's the urge to wrap your sandwich (laughs) in it. So as these things usually go, people want to know what's your first pick. My first pick, I think, is pretty apparent. Fish call. Hopefully, either Crusader of Audric or uh, what was the other one? Defiant Salvager will wheel. Uh, what, are you, what are you picking? I mean, personally, I like the Goblin Artisan the best. Uh, however, Golem Artisan or the Golem Artisan. However, yeah. you know, no no one else is picking that. If you're you know if you're looking <laughs> at it for draft purposes, you're looking at it the best overall. If I'm building a commander deck, Sharum is really good. It's just not really my style of play. Uh, so, and having already built Vishkal, I've got four, I've got four Vishkals sitting in my collection. I guess that's a better question. What of these cards would you be most excited to put in a deck, rather than what's your first pack one, pick one? Uh, what what card are you excited to put in your deck? Uh, for you, it seems like Golem Artisan because you love that card. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because like Golem Artisan, I think would probably be you know one of the ones I would put in there. However, if you fan the cards out and just said Bruce. Take any one of them. It's yours. I'm going to take the foily map. Yeah. It's a pretty sweet card. I, 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 I know it's a common, but it is a card that can go in most decks. I mean, maybe not into your green decks quite as much, but it certainly works in, in most other decks. And the ability to search for any kind of land is something that's valuable in a lot of decks. And honestly, that's kind of what I look for. I would say, for me, under that new question... Either Vishkal or Expedition Map seem highest likely to get into an Andy deck. This pack was all right. That's what I've heard most about this this set, this this master set, is that it's all right. <laughs> it's nothing amazing, but it does it does a thing. And if you're you're playing it as limited, I hear the synergies are wild. But if you're opening it for Commander, there you'll get a card here and there. Um, I think, I, like I said, I've opened the other two Urza lands. I think you really want to use this in the uh, in the boxing league. Yeah, yeah. We need to start a boxing league. We just need to convince you know other people we know to play and crack open a whole box and be prepared to crack <laughs> open even more than that afterwards. <laughs> All right. So do we have a sign off that we need to do? Yeah. Let's uh, let's pack this bag up and uh, let's get out in our merry little way. Thank you for listening. I am Andy. I'm Bruce. Uh, you can find me on the internet at Andy Weekend. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitch. Bruce, you've got Twitter. I've got Twitter. I am Mana Burned on Twitter. Uh, that's not not Mana Burnt. <laughs> uh, mana Burned. Uh, we are the Temple of the False Pod, where the plays aren't optimized, but they sure as heck are fun. Anyway, have a great night. Thank you for listening. See you next time. See ya. Hey everyone, Andy here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Temple of the False Pod. Just a few housekeeping things here at the end of the show. 
You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. Subscribe and give us a review. It really helps out the show. And it'll show us what you like about our podcast. Uh, Also, we've got a Twitter and an Instagram. Our handle is falsepodmtg, all one word. So be sure to follow us. Feel free to reach out to us there or drop us an email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com and tell us your favorite magic-related story. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again to you and to Bruce. He's Mana Burned on Twitter, and I'm Andy Weekend on Twitter and Twitch. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks aren't optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the Temple.